Go with me, please, to Mark, the ninth chapter. If you didn't bring a Bible with you this evening, hold your hand up real high. Uh, we got extra Bibles. We'd be glad to let you use one of ours. And let's all go to Mark 9 and Luke 11. Mark 9 and Luke 11. When I've been with you, we were talking about this last time, about how to receive anything. Did you remember? Anybody over here? How to receive anything. I'm going to say anything. Anything. Yeah. Mark 9 was our main text. And 23, Jesus said, if you can believe, all things are possible to him that believes. If you can believe, what's possible? So what does that mean? That means the things that people told you were not possible actually are. (laughs) The things that looked and felt impossible actually are possible. But not just to anybody, to those that believe. Are you a believer? You believe that when man says it's impossible... It's still possible for God to do something about it? Certainly. If you believe that, you act like you believe that. You know, if you have bills and financial woes and and financial experts tell you there's no hope, you'll never get out of this, you'll never pay this off, you'll never pay this back, impossible. If you're a believer, what do you know? All things are possible to him that believes. You know, a fellow I know, other part of the country, this has been a few decades ago now, uh, he had had a, he was involved in the oil business and um, had made a lot of money, also was involved in some ministry things, and he had a big nice house and he had several new cars and a bunch of stuff, and and, uh, boy, some problems happened in that field of business. And some things that weren't his fault, things he didn't have control of, happened over the next several months. He wound up losing everything. And because he was involved in some deals and up to his eyes and some things, man, he, he lost his houses, he lost his cars, he lost his equipment, he lost everything. And, and, and some of his, some people were advising him and saying, you know, you just need to, you need to get out and, 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 you know, basically leave some other people holding uh, these debts, and because you can't do it, and and actually, at the, he he was uh, doing a job uh, that had a real low salary now, and uh, the, this, these amounts that he owed, it did look absolutely impossible that he would ever, in two lifetimes, pay this back. But he said, "No, I told those people I'd pay them, and by the Lord's help, I will." I'm not going to just tell them, you got to just, you know, eat this and you just got to take this loss. No, I'm going to believe God. And he did with his little bitty salary and huge debts. He started paying back this, you know, $100 a month when he could and this and that. And, and I knew that. And, and then I saw him like four or five years later, actually was involved in some ministry that he was a part of and. And uh, came and they had a new house. 
It wasn't as big as the other one, but it was nice. It was new. And there's two new cars out in the yard. And he's telling me that he almost had all of that paid back in like five years. Why? He began to tell me, just shouting, you know, that, that God had done this and God had done that. God opened this door and he made money here and then he was able to make money over here. And, and, and everybody told him, no way you'll ever. It is possible with God and it is possible to those that believe. And if you believe that, if you or a loved one or a friend gets an evil report about your body and your health and say, well, it's terminal, it's hopeless, it's too far gone. Well, all they're telling you is that man can't help you. You should have already known that that could be the case all too quickly. And if you believe believe that and all your hopes in man, then when men tell you we can't help you, then you'll fall off your chair. You'll throw up your hands. You'll despair and go, oh, God, you know, there's no hope. But if you still have faith in God, even when people look at you and say there's no hope, you'll smile and say, thank you for your time. And for the help, you've tried to help me, and you'll shake their hand, and you'll be nice, and you'll go out, and you'll get in your car, and you'll say, I don't care what I see, what I hear, what I feel, all things are possible with God, and all things are possible to those that believe, and I believe, and I'm not going to die with this stinking thing. I'm going to live and declare the glory of God with long life. He's going to say, and you, and you get your faith in gear. Now, if you go pull the blinds and, and, and stay in your room and cry and feel sorry for yourself, well, you're gone. Because faith doesn't act like that. And sometimes people put on a good front in, in, in front of their faith friends, but then privately they just are a basket case all the time. Well, that's no good. I said, that's no good. What are we talking about in this series? How to receive anything. And we can already see believing's going to be involved. Right? Because Jesus said all things are possible to what? Those that believe. Go to Luke 11, please. Luke 11 and verse 9. It says, Jesus is talking. He said, I say to you. Ask, and it shall be given you. Shall be is a strong way to say it. Seek, and what will happen? You shall find. What else? Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. Thank you, Lord. Let me review just a little bit. We said, uh, we're talking about how to receive anything. And we're giving you four steps. And the first one we gave you is that you need to understand, you need to find, maybe say it like that, his will. Number one, we're no askings involved, but asking's not number one. What's number one? Find his will. And where is the very best place in the world to find out his will on something? In the word. His word is his will revealed. If he told you in here that, that he wants you this to be this way in your life, he wants you to have this, 
then you don't have to pray about if it's his will or not. You don't have to ask somebody else. You can receive it confidently. Number one is uh, find his will. The scripture said in John 7, 17, NIV, if anyone chooses to do his will, he will find out whether my teaching comes from God or whether I speak on my own. You'll find out the will of God when you're willing to do whatever his will is. The least bit of unwillingness will keep you from finding out because God knows your heart before you ever know the answer. God knows whether you'll hear it and do it before he ever tells you. He knows the end from the beginning. And if you want to find out, you got to be willing to receive whatever he'd tell you. So number one is what? How to receive anything? Number one is find his will. Search his word. You need a healing? Number one is not just start asking for it. Number one, you got to have something for your faith to stand on. You got to be sure that he wants you to have it, that it's bought and paid for, that it is his will for you to have it. Ephesians 5.17 in the Amplified. Ephesians 5.17 says, Therefore do not be vague and thoughtless and foolish, but understanding and firmly grasping what the will of the Lord is. You know, the scripture said in Proverbs, that if you reject the, it says the law, of course in those days that's all the word they had was the law. Now we've got the law and Old Testament and New. If you reject and won't hear the law, even your prayer will be detestable. When the Lord tells you something in his word and you act like he didn't say it and pray contrary to his word, that's a detestable prayer. Won't be heard. Number one's not asking. What's number one? Finding out his will, which is why you need to be in church, why you need to be in this book, why you need to read your chapter, right? Every day, why you got to feed on that, why? Because it's giving you light of what he wants you to have and what he wants, his plan and his purposes in your life. And then number two is ask how to receive anything. Number two is ask. James 4.2 in the Amplified. James 4.2 says you do not have because you do not ask. Uh, Matthew 18.19, sometimes people don't practice it correctly. I've heard people more than once go up and say, you know, agree with me on such and such. And they say, okay, I agree with you. But Matthew 18.19, put it up on the screen for us, please. Matthew 18.19, I tell you, if any two of you agree if you agree on earth as touching anything that what? That you shall ask. So if you didn't ask, you didn't do this verse. Monitor yourself about prayer. A lot of times people will start prayer by saying, Lord, we thank you for this and we thank you for that and we thank you for Did you ask him to do this? You don't need to be thanking and you didn't ask. Now, you may have to think about that a little bit. There are legalities involved here. We are on this earth, and we have a right to ask God. 
Why don't, doesn't his will just happen for everybody everywhere? Well, one, among other reasons, he said, you have not. Why? Yes. You didn't ask. Asking must be important. And we must ask in the name of Jesus, and we must ask in faith. So check up on yourself. And, and anytime you hear yourself saying, well, thank you for that, thank you. Did you ask? When did you ask? Where did you ask? Now, once you've asked, certainly it's right to say thank you. <laughs> I'm getting some strange looks across the crowd. Don't, don't just take my word for it. Search the scriptures. But it's a, it can be a religious practice. Lord, we thank you for this. We thank you for that. When did you ask? Very important. Now, we, we taught on it for a whole evening, so uh, go get the previous message if you've got questions about it. Don't take my word for it. Go with the scripture by scripture through every one of these. Number two is ask. What Jesus say? Ask and what will happen? It will be given to you. What's the next one? Seek. You need to look for it. You asked, uh, you asked the Lord for something. And you know it was his will. First of all, you found out it was his will before you asked. And then asking, he said, if you ask anything according to his will, he hears you. And if you know that he hears you, then you know you have the petitions that you desired of him. Lord, show us where our house is. What do you got to know before you, you ask that? You got to know he wants you to have a house. <laughs> right? If you don't know that, you can't, can't at well... Well, I just want whatever his will is. Now, she don't seem to understand. We just quoted Ephesians 5, 17. You got to find out his will before you can even get in faith. And we got millions of Christians just throwing out religious, ritual, unbelieving prayers going away. And, and, and how are we going to know if it's God's will? Well, if it happens, it was the will of God. If it didn't happen, it wasn't the will of God. Oh, no, no. That's what he just got through saying. Don't be foolish and unwise. But understand what the will of the Lord is. And that's so we're not ready to pray the prayer of faith until we find out what the will of the Lord is. But we've we prayed about it. We've sought him. This might take days, weeks, months. I'm not talking about you praying night and day, but off and on you're in faith about it. You keep going before him about it. Should I be here? Uh, do we need a house here? Uh, what should we be doing? And eventually you get settled on it. Yep, we're supposed to be here. Yep, we're supposed to get us a house. Now what do we do? Ask. Lord, we ask you for the right house for us here, the right place for us here. We ask you for it, and we ask you to, to bring it to us or bring us to it. Uh, whatever it takes. Now what do we do now next? Seek. <laughs> Seek and what? Seek and you shall find. <laughs> you look. That doesn't mean you have to look at every house in the area. But you need to start looking for the answer to your prayer. And you need to do what you can do to try to find it. It's hard to steer a parked car. Do you know what I mean by that? Oh, Lord, guide me, guide me. Guide what? You're sitting in the parking lot with the brake on. Steer what? 
you won't move. You won't leave the house. <laughs> In order for something to be steered, it needs to be moving. Right? <laughs> Seek and you shall find. Make an effort to find. Listen to Hebrews 11.6 in the BBE. Hebrews 11.6 says, Without faith, it's not possible to be well-pleasing to Him, for it's necessary for anyone who comes to God to have the belief that God is and that He is a rewarder of all those who make a serious search for Him. All those that diligently seek Him. Who's going to find Him? Somebody that doesn't even believe there's a God? Why, why wouldn't, if it's so important that people ask, why are people not asking? They don't believe it'd do any good. Maybe they don't even believe there is a God. Or if he's God, he's God, he don't care. We don't know. It's all up to him. It's got nothing to do with us. All of this wrong stuff. The Bible says you got to, this is a must. You must believe that he exists. He's God, he's all wise, he's all powerful. And you also must believe something about his character. He's a good God. And if you seriously reach out to him, he's going to reach back. If you ask, he's going to give. If you seek, he will cause you to find. And just as sure as you get it settled, we're supposed to get this, we're supposed to have this. You ask him for it and you start looking for it. You can know before you leave the house, we're going to find this thing. He will cause us to find it. Hallelujah. (laughs) And when you find it, you'll have that witness on the inside. You might look at a lot of things and hear a lot of things and it might sound good and have good numbers and have good stats and have good this and that. But it's just you got no excitement on the inside. And then you pull up in this driveway and whoo, something jumps up inside. You go, okay, all right, something's happening here. Huh? And you know what? We found it. And it might cost more than you and all your friends could ever put together from what you could scrape up. That doesn't mean one thing. Because if it's yours from the Lord, He's able. The source that never runs out. Said out loud, seek and you shall find. Now what's the next one? Knock, which happens to be the title tonight. What's the last one here? Ask and it'll be given. Seek and you shall find. Knock, and they may not be home. <laughs> huh? <laughs> Knock, and you just never know. <laughs> no. Knock, and what? We need to back up to the uh, uh, first part of the chapter here to see how, how all this flows together. Verse 1, chapter 11. It came to pass as Jesus was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. As John also taught his disciples, and he said to them, When you pray, say, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, as in heaven, so in earth. Give us day by day our daily bread. 
Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now, uh, Matthew said it like this, that he said, pray after this manner. People have just focused exclusively on the word-by-word detail. He was teaching us a prayer structure and prayer principles, not a ritual form. It's fine to pray this prayer verbatim, but a lot of people pray it by ritual, vain repetitions, and it means nothing. He said, pray after this manner. And then he gives an example in verse 5 of what he's talking about. He said, which of you shall have a friend and shall go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, I need three loaves of bread. It's midnight. And of course, in these days, no electricity, no TV to sit up and watch all night, or radio to listen to either. Most people, not long after dark, were in the bed. Wasn't too much else to do. And then get up real early, get out to the fields and whatever you're doing, so you're ready to go to sleep. So midnight is late 30. To be knocking on somebody's house that worked out on the fishing boat or worked out on the fields all day long. And by midnight, how many know somebody worked out in the field all day? By midnight, they are zoning. They're in deep sleep. And what do they hear? Huh? Huh? What's that? Mabel, did you hear anything? (laughs) Get up, George. Somebody knocking at the door. (laughs) And he said, friend, I need some bread. (laughs) I need some food. Because a friend of mine showed up at my house. He's traveling. And I don't have a thing in the pantry. And he from within shall answer and say, what are you doing? Quit bothering me. I was sound asleep. I had a full day. My children are in the bed. Me and Mabel's in the bed. I can't get up and give you bread. Leave me alone. Quit bothering me. Now, whose story is this? It's Jesus' story. He starts off talking about how to pray. Right? Then he tells his story. Then he finishes up by saying, ask. And it'll be given you. Seek. And you'll find. Knock. And it'll be open to you. If you do what? Verse 8, Jesus said, Jesus said, I say to you, though he will not rise and give him because he is his friend. That won't be enough (laughs) at midnight and sound asleep. He is not thinking, oh, that's my friend. uh -uh. He's not thinking about friend. Friend ain't cutting it at midnight. And he won't 
get up and give it to him because he is his friend yet because of his importunity. Now this is a King James word that just just kind of most every I mean uh, how many times today did you use this word in your conversation? <laughs> importunity. When's the last time you used this word in a real conversation with somebody? <laughs> See, that, that's a problem. Because what's he talking about? And people have developed whole doctrines off of something this word never even meant. If you look it up, you'll find that this word importunity literally means without bashfulness. Without bashfulness I believe it's the NEB translation says because of the man's boldness because of his no excuse me the Knox translation because of his shameless asking (laughs) and as the NEB I believe it said the very shamelessness of his request shamelessness did you know the devil is always trying to shame you. You know the term shame on you. You ought not use. You ought not use it. Because we are not ministers of condemnation. Did you hear me? And people do not need to be shamed. I don't think they do. Well you're wrong. And it's not your job. To judge them are certainly not your job to shame them. And the truth is, if people have done wrong and they've missed it, they are dealing with shame. And what they need is help out of it. Right? But there is more going on when a person is in condemnation. And it is masked as humility. Oh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't ask. You know, Southerners are famous for this. I know, because I is one. <laughs> Somebody come up with a, in, in the old days it was an eight passenger Cadillac almost with them great big wide seats. One person in there. And you look and go, you wouldn't have room for somebody else, would you? <laughs> What'd you just set them up to say? No. no. <laughs> uh, I didn't figure you did. That's all right. Sorry I asked. I shouldn't ask, should I? Now it's fine to be polite. And you don't need to be presumptive. And you don't need to look to man as your source. But when the Lord gives you something, come on, are you listening to me? When he gives you something, you ask and he answered you. You sought and you found. You say, Lord, I need some help. Where do I go? He says, go that away. So you go that away. And you find it. And you find the place. And you find the house or the building. You find the door. Now what's it time to do? It's time to go in that baby. Right? And you don't want to stand out there and be humble. What are you doing? I don't know. The Lord said that was the place. But uh, I don't want to bother anybody. Because the devil's saying, you're not even worthy to be out here. What makes you think you could ever have something like that? I, I, I don't. 
See, see, people think that that pleases the Lord. It does not. It does not please him. Think about Moses at the burning bush. He's seeing a spectacular miracle. God speaks to him. Tells him he's going to send him to deliver his people. Moses said, "Ah, uh, God, you don't want me. You you don't want me. My picture's on the post office down there in Egypt. I mean, I'm a wanted man. You understand? I'm on FBI top ten. Pharaoh's been looking for me everywhere. I'm wanted for murder over there. And uh, besides that, uh, I I can't talk. I'm just not. You don't want me." And you know, I'm, I'm 80 years old. I've been out here with these sheep and back in the desert. And I just, I'm too old to get into all. God, you don't want me. Now, now, I want you to think about who he's talking to. When God tells you, I want you. Is it appropriate for you to stand up and go, yeah, you don't want me. What do you expect him to say? What do you expect him to say? Oh, you know, I forgot about that murder thing over there. And, uh, you know, let me think about this some more and I'll get back. He already knows way more than you know about it. Well, God, you'd have to help me. You think he didn't know that? He's going to have to help you. Had to help you comb your hair and breathe and get out of bed this morning. You think he didn't know that? But see, to some people's religious mind, man, that's that's the perfect kind of Christian. So meek and, and humble and, and just go, oh God, you don't want me. You don't want me. Have you read that passage? The Bible said it made God angry. It made him angry. That's what he thinks about that phony humility. It's a bunch of junk. When God tells you, I want you to go through that door. You know what he wants to see? He wants to see some stepping up. I don't care if it's midnight and you ain't got a flashlight. He wants to see you up on that door. Come on, are you listening to me? Huh? I don't care if everybody and their brother in the legislature tells you there ain't no way, ain't never going to happen, not going to happen for you. He wants to see you step up and move forward. He wants you to put your foot in the water and step on out. Because it's not going to split till you get in there. It's not going to open till you knock. Knocking is action. Knocking is something you do, not something God does. And if you want to receive something, you got to do your part. Amen. What's your part? We've already seen it. Number one, help me out. Help me out, friends. How to receive anything. Find out the will of God. Number two, what? Ask. See, we're, we're talking about our part, aren't we? Ask. Number three, seek. seek. And then when you find it, you found out the will of God. You asked for it. You sought for it and found it. Now what? Do it. Go through it. Right? You asked. He showed you. He led you. You're there. Now what? Do it. Knock. 
put your foot out, take a step, things will start opening up. Right? Things will start opening up. Knock and it shall be. Who said these words? Who said these words? Head of the church, Jesus. Knock and it shall be opened to you. Say it out loud. Knock. And it shall be. Open to you. Who does the knocking? Does the Lord do the knocking for you? No. He doesn't do the seeking for you. He doesn't do the asking for you. It's not all up to him. He said, though he will not rise and give him because he is his friend, yet because of his importunity, his shameless asking, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. Why? Just because he had the boldness to come up there and knock on the door in the middle of the night. Not because he was his friend. And so acting on this teaching that Jesus gave us, verse 9, the very next verse says what? I say to you what? Ask. What's the point he's making to us? He told us how to pray. He told us this story. And then what's the punchline? Ask. Seek. Knock. What are we supposed to be doing? Asking and seeking and knocking. That's what we do. The Lord's not going to do that for us. That's our job. Go to James 2, please. What are we talking about? How to receive anything. New clothes. I remember Phyllis back, uh, oh man, this would be 30 years ago now. We're believing for everything. Every tank of gas, every pair of socks. And uh, she wanted some more clothes. And we were just learning about sowing and reaping. So she, she went to the Lord and asked him about it. Lord, I, we, we, I, want more, I want some clothes. I want some nice clothes. We're in these meetings all the time and I feel so underdressed. And, and I, I want some nice clothes. She came out and told me, so the Lord dealt with me. I needed to sow some clothes. Needed to sow them. Now let's just back up. First of all, she's convinced the Lord wants her to have some nice stuff. Right? She asks him what to do about it. Can you see this? Now, she wasn't going through all this back then. I'm just recapping from looking back now. She asked, and now he tells her what to do. Sew it. So, man, she sewed two-thirds of what she had in her closet. I mean, her good stuff. Somebody asked me, oh, Brother Keith, aren't you concerned? You're going to have to buy, replace her? I said, oh, no, 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 no. I'm not her source. No, it's not on me. That's fine for me to buy her something. But she's not limited to what I can do. She's not lim- I'm not her source. She's not limited to what I can do. So she did, man. She sewed those clothes. She sewed, 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 sewed. And people were happy. People were rejoicing. It wasn't three or four weeks. She was at the place of work where she worked. In a doctor's office. And a lady came in that was a patient, and she said, uh, can I talk to you just a minute? And she said, yeah. And she said, I don't want to insult you. I'm not trying to think that you need this or that, but I have some brand new clothes, and they still got the tags on them. And uh, I just, I thought they might fit you. Would you consider? She said, yeah, yeah, bring them up. We'll try them on. I mean, it was 
sacks. It was Chanel. It was this. I mean, you know, expensive labeled stuff. Fit her perfect. Now, how many know that's the Lord? And was just in the colors. I mean, a bunch of stuff. It was thousands of dollars worth of clothes. Didn't cost her a penny. She received clothes. How to receive anything. What do you do? Find out the will of God. What else? Ask. What else? Look for it. And then when you find what he shows you, what? Knock. Do it. Action. James 2 talks about this. I want us to look at it. James chapter 2 and verse 17 Let's look at the NCV. You can read whatever you got there, and we'll put that up on the screen. NCV, it says, verse 17 in uh, James 2, In the same way, faith that is alone, that does nothing, is dead. So there, there is a living faith, and there is a dead faith. There is such a thing as dead faith. What good does dead faith do? Mm -mm. No. He goes on to say, verse 18, someone might say, you have faith, but I have deeds or action. And this was apparently a teaching that went around that some people have faith and some people have action. And the Spirit of God's correcting it through him. He said, no, you show me your faith without doing anything. Can you do that? You can't. I will show you my faith by what I do. Say it out loud. I will show you you my faith faith by what I do. do. Sometimes people think, well, you you can't tell if anybody's got faith or not. Oh, yes, you can. You just watch them a while. You'll see it. Do you remember the Bible said the, the four men that brought the paralyzed man? And they tore off the roof and they let him down in front of Jesus. And the the first thing it says after that, it says, Jesus saw their faith. They hadn't said anything to him. He doesn't know anything about them. How does he know they got faith? You don't do what they just did unless you believe something's going to happen. And it pleased him. And in just a few minutes, that man was, was healed. Somebody say glory to God. Did, were they knocking? Yes. They were knocking on the roof. Yes. And they were knocking shingles off. Yes. They did some powerful knocking. Yes. They knocked till they got through the roof and the ceiling. They knocked till they got in there in front of Jesus. Yes. And they knocked until they got healed. Yes. But how many people would sit back and go, well, must not have been the will of the Lord. Because I couldn't even get in that meeting. Couldn't even get to the door. No seats. Just must not be the will of God. See, millions of people believe that. That if it didn't work out, it didn't happen, it must not have been the will of God. No. You got to have some gumption to you. You got to have some get up and go get it. Come on, are you listening? The woman with the issue of blood. Weak from hemorrhaging and all these treatments pressed through the crowd. You think that was easy for her? No. Is she knocking? 
Huh? She was knocking people out of the way. <laughs> Wasn't she? Until she got all the way and knocked on Jesus' garment. Then she touched the hem. Can you see this is knocking? What happened to her? It was open. The healing flow was opened up to her and flowed out of him into her and healed what no amount of surgeries and treatment and drugs and years could fix. Oh, somebody say, thank you, Lord. Faith without action is dead. I call it the jump test. What do you mean? I say you up in the building. It's on fire. You need to get out. You could say, Lord, is it your will for me to live and not get burned up in this fire? You know what he'll tell you? Yes. Yes. I want you to live. I want you to finish your life. I want you to run your race, finish your course, and do some good in the earth and be a blessing to people. Okay, God, I'm asking you to save me. I'm asking you to save me. Show me how to get out of here. Show me how to get out of here. So he deals with you. Run down to that hall. Go left. Run out to the window there. And you run out to the window and there you go. And it's the fireman down there with a net. And they holler. (laughs) And with the smoke billowing out and heat on the back of your neck, you're going... I know it's God's will for me to live. I believe it. Great. Jump. Jump. (laughs) You know, I prayed just just five minutes ago. God, show me how to get out of here. And he supernaturally let let me get out of that room and led me right here to this window. Great. (laughs) Jump. And, And I just know in my heart if he led me here, that he would help you guys to catch me and that he wouldn't have sent a faulty net or anything. You know, I just know if it's his will. I just know if it's his will. (laughs) Flames are getting higher. (laughs) Smoke's rolling. You can't even see the guy anymore. You can just hear his voice. What do they say? What do they say? Jump. 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 It all comes down to this, doesn't it? If you cannot be persuaded to jump, you are not persuaded. The faith is not there. That's why faith without jumping. (laughs) Faith without jumping is good for nothing. It's it's no good. It doesn't it won't produce any result. How can God save you and you won't do what he told you? Then you take it out of his hands. You, you won't follow through. Faith, you know, uh, Dr. Lillian B. Yeomans, I believe it was the one who said this, that God delights in his children stepping out over the aching void with nothing underneath their feet but the word of God. And he does. He delights in this. Somebody say jump. What do we do? jump. Hebrews 3.18, you don't have to turn there, but he was talking about why that first generation of Israelites delivered from Egyptian bondage did not enjoy the promised land. He said, to whom he, he swore 
they should not enter into his rest, but to them that believe not. So we see they could not enter in. Why? They couldn't go in. What kept them out? See, they thought it was the giants. They thought it was the walled cities. They thought it was the iron chariots. It wasn't. Oh, friend, are you listening? Are you awake? See, people think it's the cancer they can't get over. It's not. People think it's that mountain of debt they can't get over. It's not true. What's keeping people out? Unbelief. Unbelief Unbelief kept them from doing what? Entering in. Come on, are you with me, friends? God got them out of Egyptian bondage through a mighty arm. Signs and wonders led them through the wilderness, fed them with manna out of the sky and water out of the rock. He brought them right up to it. And so there it is. Go in. And they sat in their tent and they squalled and bawled all night and said, we can't. It's too hard. Giants are too big. Cancer's in the last stage. Heart's completely blocked. Cancer in both lungs now. AIDS. See, they thought the giants kept them out. They didn't. The walled cities didn't keep them out. Come on, are y'all listening to me? What kept them out? Unbelief. Unbelief because they couldn't be persuaded to... Jump. (laughs) Didn't the Lord say, jump, go, go in, go take it, go get it. Do you believe he would have helped them? You don't have to believe it. The next generation did, and he did help them, and they got it, and they took it. Proving it never was the will of God for that first generation to all die out there in the middle of the desert. It was their choice, their failure. Unbelief kept him out. Why did the man get his three loaves at midnight? Huh? Just bold enough to sashay right up there at midnight and bang on the door. That's why he got it. Not because they felt good about it. Not because they were happy. Not because they were friends. Ask, Jesus said, and you'll receive. Seek and you'll find. Knock, and it shall be open to you. Oh, somebody say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Go to Romans, the fourth chapter, please. Romans chapter four. How to receive anything, 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 healing, Deliverance from a habit, addiction, nothing's too hard for the Lord, nothing, nothing. It's not can he set you free, it's will you do what he tells you to do. In Romans, the fourth chapter, it's talking about Abraham being our father, being a father of faith. And it says in in Romans 4.12, Romans 4.12, he's the father of circumcision to them who are not of the circumcision only, but who also walk in the steps of that faith of our father Abraham, that's us, which he had being yet uncircumcised, that walk in the what? Steps. 
steps of that faith. God leads in steps. Faith pleases him. So he doesn't show you the whole thing. He doesn't show you the top of the stairs. He shows you the first step. He doesn't show you the end of the journey. He says turn left right here. And you think what's over there? He's the one that opens doors. That nobody can close. Is that right? And he'll say go through that door. And you'll peer down and go. What's in there? What's over there? And you'll get nothing. Silence. Because you know all you need to know. To walk by faith. If you have to know more. You're rebelling against walking by faith. Well, God, now you know how I am. I, you know, I'm, I'm, I've always been analytical, and, and I'm a planner, you know. And uh, I got my monthly right here. If you'd just sit down with me and help me to get, you know, and, 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 and if, you, if you could show me, where's this money coming from? I mean, I, I got to know these things. For I just pull up and do something, then you are not a child of Abraham because when God told him to leave mom and daddy and leave his house and go, what the Bible say, he went out not knowing where he was going. How do you do that? How do you do that? They went by Abraham's house. He was rich man. So they're loading up the camels and the donkeys and they're loading up everything and Somebody says, Abram, you're leaving us. He said, yeah, Lord told us to move. Where are you going? <laughs> he told us, he'd tell us. He'd show us. Where are you going? I have a witness to go that away. <laughs> what's, what's that away? Uh, he'll show us. Do you see why so many people never follow God fully and they never get these kind of miracles because they won't do that. They say, I got got roots. You know, I just paid my membership dues to such and such and (laughs) and I'm in contract with this and this and the kids have got X amount of years of school and and then we got mom and daddy, you know, to take care of and and we just got through reading. Where a man came to Jesus in the chapter and he said, I'll follow you, but let me first bury my father and, and, and take care of all that. So he's talking about wait till he dies. And what did Jesus tell him? Yeah, you got to do what you got to do. So, you know, uh, whenever that works out for you, then you can come. No, no. That's what most preachers would say today. What do he say? You let the dead bury their dead. Boy, that insult most people wouldn't have done. What? You come follow me. You gonna do it? Let's do it. What did he say? I'd rather you were hot or cold. Don't be lukewarm. We're gonna do this thing. Let's do it. Let's do it. Both feet. Both hands. In all the way. Somebody say all in. Come on, all, all in, all in, all in. If the Lord don't help us, <laughs> we're in trouble. But he will. I said he will. In fact, he will never 
leave you, nor forsake you, nor fail you, nor let you die. Never, 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 never. Oh, friends, you believe these things, don't you? Steps of faith. Everybody say steps of faith. Steps of faith. Let me give you a few of these. We won't take the time to turn to all of them, but I think I'd just give you half a dozen of them right now. Examples of how the Lord did this in his ministry. Jesus told the nobleman when he came and asked him about his son being healed. In John 4.50 he said, go your way. Your son lives. He's got no reason to think that his boy is any better. But what's it time to do? When the Lord says go your way, what do you do? Check and see if anything's changed. See if the report's any better. See if the tests come back any better. Talk to people and see what they think about it. Let's pray about it. Let's pray about it. Let's pray, Let's pray and fast about it. When the Lord says go, it ain't time to pray and fast. It's not time to have counsel. It's not time to set up appointments. Go. Somebody say go. He said go your way. Your son lives. And you know what he did? He said thank you. And he turned around and took right off. And it took him a while to get back home. And don't you know the devil bothered him all the way back? What are you doing? What are you doing? Your boy's about dead when you left. What are you doing? You better go back and get Jesus and get him to go with you. To pray for him and, and lay hands and, and anoint him with oil. and oh. Same devil been saying the same things to people right. century after century. Right. But he had to keep telling himself, no, no, the Lord told me. He lives. Yeah. He said, you go. I'm a going. Yeah. I want you to think about this, friends. When the Lord says go, he turns. And when that first step he took, it gave God a right to work healing in his boy at his house. Come on, are you listening? Every step he took in obedience, not talking about it, not thinking about it, every step he took doing it, the Lord was able to keep working healing in his boy. And when he got back and they told him he was healed up and that at that specific hour when the Lord told him to go, he began to amend. They were able to put the time together and realize it was exactly at that time. At what time? When he when he took that step of faith. The power of God started working in his boy over at his house. He couldn't see it. There wasn't a phone, wasn't a cell phone. He couldn't text or anything. We have to watch this nowadays because You'll pray something or you'll believe something and then you want to see if it happened right now. That can be unbelief. Did you hear me? Some things you don't need to ask about. It's need to be in faith about. This instant messaging and instant gratification and instant awareness can be a, a, a tool to walk in by sight. Keep you out of the blessing. Some things you just need to say, I don't have to check. (laughs) Doesn't matter what it looks like. Doesn't matter. Jesus said. He lives. John 5, 8. 
Jesus told the man at the pool, rise, take up your bed and walk. What's it time to do? Get up. Rise means get up. This was one of Jesus' favorite phrases. Rise or arise. Means the same thing. One of Jesus' favorite phrases was get up. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So don't be surprised if on a Monday morning or a Wednesday afternoon or a Saturday night you hear, get up, get up, get up, get up and go. Arise, take up your bed and walk. And he did. And he was healed. Luke 5, 24, the man that we talked about earlier who was paralyzed, they let down through the roof. He, he told him, he said, arise, take up your couch and go to your house. Everybody say, get up and go. Say it again. Get up and go. Again, get up and go. Mark 3, 5. Mark 3, 5, the Bible said there was a man in the, in the room there that had a withered hand. And they were, uh, his opponents were talking about, you know, watch him. He's going to heal on the Sabbath day. And sure enough, Jesus calls the man up and he says, stretch forth thy hand. Stretch forth. Somebody say stretch. Stretch Stretch forth what? Not your arm. He didn't say extend your arm. Stretch forth your hand. Well, that hand was withered. He can't do that. But he did. I said he couldn't do it. But he did. Oh, friend, when the Lord tells you to do something, even when it's an impossibility for you to do it, if you will take that step, you don't have to do the whole thing, just a step. Take the step of faith. When you reach the end of your ability to do it, you will meet the power of God, enabling you to do what you couldn't do. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. He told the the centurion, you know, go your way. And as you believed, so be it done unto you. That's Matthew 8. Jairus' daughter, same thing. Mark 5, 41. Damsel, I say to you, arise. And she happened to be dead. (laughs) Now you're talking about too late. Too late? Dead. Flatline. Cold. Clammy. Getting stiff. Dead. And Jesus says what? Get up. Get up. Little girl. Get up. Darling. Get up. Her spirit came back in her body. All things. All things are possible to him that believes. All things. All things. All things, all things, all things. Acts 3, 6 in the New Testament. Jesus is not doing this personally in the flesh now. He's doing it by his spirit through his church, just like we are today. And Peter and John saw that man at the gate beautiful in Acts 3, 6. And they said, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up, rise up and walk. And you know what he did? He got up. And he leaped and he walked. Go to Acts 14 for the last one. Acts 14. And you'll see this principle clearly. Acts 14. We're just about done. 
That means just about ready to act. <laughs> right? When you ask the Lord according to his will, he hears and he answers. When he shows you and you seek, you find. When you find, it's time for action. Right? It's time for action. And when you act on the word of the Lord, miracles happen. Miracles happen. You know the simplest, greatest key to miracles you will ever hear is what Jesus told them. Jesus' mother, I should say, told them at the wedding feast. What would she say to them? Whatever, whatever he says to you, pray about it. <laughs> whatever he says to you, study on it. Look up all the Greek and Hebrew words. No, no, no. <laughs> whatever he says to you, do it. If it's forgive, if it's call, if it's apologize, if it's to give this or that money or that natural thing, whatever it is, do it. Somebody say, do it. Do it. And if you do, what happened at that, that wedding feast? That was the first miracle. The water was turned into wine, something all kind of folks would say is impossible, and yet it happened. Acts 14, are you there? Acts 14, the apostles went and preached through the uh, area in Lystra, I guess it was, and Derby regions round about. And they found a man there that needed healing. And uh, verse 7, there they preached the gospel. When you hear the gospel, you, you find out what the will of God is. Right? And there said a certain man at Lystra impotent in his feet. His feet had no strength to walk on. He was born that way from his mother's womb. And had never taken a step. Never walked. Now he's a grown adult man. The same man heard Paul speak. Tell me what happens when you hear anointed word. Faith comes by hearing. Doesn't it? And hearing by the word of God. If you look that up it means the word. Literally the word of the Christ. Christ means anointed. Anointed word. And he heard Paul speak. And Paul steadfastly beholding him. He kept looking at this guy. I know exactly what was going on with him. I've had it happen with me. That you're preaching. And, and, and are teaching. And, and you begin to realize. Man there's faith over here. There's faith over here. And he just put his eyes on him. And he did what? He perceived. He saw, but it's not talking about a natural seeing, a spiritual seeing and knowing that this man is about to have faith. No. Had faith to be healed. Now, if you stop right here, Paul's preaching, the man's crippled, and he's got faith to be healed. Is it possible to have faith to be healed and not be healed? Yes. Yes. That's exactly where he is in verse 9. He heard the word. Faith came from hearing what Paul's preaching. Faith is in his heart. But faith without action, doing is what? Dead faith. Can you have faith and it not be living faith? Yes. 
James says, faith without works is dead. So there's a faith that is not living. There's a faith that is dead. Dead faith won't get your bills paid. Won't get your body healed. Won't get your help. You believe it, but you won't act on it. But you won't do what he told you to do. That's dead, inoperative, non-producing faith. Dead faith. He perceives that the man's got faith, had, H-A-D, had faith to be healed. We know he got it from hearing what Paul preached. And it said Paul preached the gospel. You reckon the gospel has changed? Then why, why shouldn't we be able to get faith from hearing the same gospel to be healed, to have miracles? Verse 10, he said with a loud voice, what? Let's pray about this. I need to counsel with you after the service. Hmm. Oh, friend, there is so much talking done these days. Talking, 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 talk about how I feel, what I did, what I thought, what they said. Talk, 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 talk. So much of it is such a waste of time. Doesn't help anybody, doesn't accomplish anything. People hash and rehash their experiences and their failures and their mistakes. And when they get through, they got less faith than when they started. Faith doesn't come by talking the problem. Well, faith in the problem comes from talking the problem. What did he say? What did he say? Get up! Guys, over here. And he's pointing to him and said, get up! You get up. Get up right now. This is how they had church in them days. Get up. And what did he do? Preacher, I know you're new here. I can't get up. I'm, I, I was born with a deformity in my feet. I, I've never taken a step in my life. And we don't know why these things happen. But you know God in his sovereignty. Knows all these. No. No. That is religious ideas of men. That they have replaced this with. No. The gospel. The good news. Of Jesus. Bore our sins. He also took our sicknesses, carried our pains, by his stripes were healed. Paul must have been preaching something about that because this man didn't just get faith to be born again. He got faith to be healed. You got to hear something about healing to get faith for healing. Faith comes by hearing. And man, as Paul preached, you know the anointing was there. You know the Spirit of God was there. He's sitting there wide eyed. He never heard anything like this. He'd heard all kind of stuff about maybe God, you know, if, if you could give God glory some way in your, your sick condition. He heard all kind of stuff maybe. But he heard this, and this is one of the best things he ever, it is the best thing he's ever heard in his life. And he said, oh, oh I just feel, I just feel like I could run through a troop and leap over a wall. I just, I just, and about that time, Paul catches his eyes and says, you, you. He goes, uh-huh, yeah. 
Get up. Get up. Get yourself up. Get out of that seat, boy. Get up. <laughs> and he didn't blink his eyes. He didn't think twice. He, he, man's never taken a step in his life. He leaped and walked. Somebody say glory to God. Glory to God. He leaped and he walked. Do we still have the same miracle working God today with whom nothing is impossible? Yeah, but Brother Keith, that's last stages. Yeah, and that's never took a step. And how about cold and dead? Don't get fixated on somebody's report of impossibility. Nothing is too hard for the Lord. Nothing is impossible. And it hasn't all passed away and God hasn't changed his will or changed the message or changed his workings. People changed. People got away from God. People replaced the word with religion. But he's never changed. Somebody say, I believe it. I believe it. I believe all things are possible to him that believes it is po- whatever you've been dealing with that look too hard, too big, it is not too hard. It is not too big. I want you to stand on your feet. Thank you, Lord. Oh, thank you, Lord. Let's praise him some right now. Lift up your hands. Lift up your heart. Lift up your voices. Begin to say, Lord, I believe. Lord, I believe. I believe. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.